What's good, fam? Thanks for joining me, your host, Corey Cabri, on the Living Life on Purpose podcast, where we discuss various topics on how to apply God's principles to your everyday life. I hope you enjoy the discussion. Okay, so we're going to start in Romans 10. And just to get everybody a heads up, um, if you missed or you haven't been tuning in, we're talking about trusting. Trusting. And the question for today was, how can I trust God? Right? How can I trust God? I know that question probably is kind of like kind of far-fetched. It's like, what? But when you think about with people, you ask that question with a person, you know what I mean? It's logical. It makes sense. But, you know, when you when you refer to God, it's like, huh? You, you, you don't really, it kind of puzzles you. You know, you're not thinking of it in terms of trusting God, but but we we have to trust God. Otherwise, how are we following him? If we don't trust him, how are we going to follow him? It's like we say we believe, which is what Romans 10 talks about. And I start reading it in verse 11, and this is New King James Version. It's for, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Uh, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just that just that statement right there. Whoever calls on the Lord, name of the Lord shall be saved. You have to believe that to be a truth in order for you to call on his name. If you don't believe that to be a truth, then why would you call on his name? Why would you profess that? So there has to be some trust in order for you to follow that command, right? But going on, that was 13 to 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And in it reads, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Even even that last statement, not not the not the quote, I think that was from Isaiah, uh, but that statement of how shall they hear without a preacher, and how shall the preacher be, how shall they preach unless they are sent? You have to trust that this person that you are listening to has been sent from God. So, so, so what does that say? That says that you, us, we have to have some sense of knowledge about God in order for us to know that this person was actually sent from God. Otherwise, anybody can come to you and say, yeah, I was sent from God, and I'm here to tell you something. And then they start telling you something, and you're like, Oh, okay, well, I'm going to do what you say because you said you were sent from God. But if you don't know God, then you ain't going to know if they're sent from God or not. They can tell you anything. So, so what we've been talking about is trusting God, trusting God. And today is how can I trust God? Any, anybody got an answer? How can I trust God? Nobody has an answer. I mean, I think practice, maybe practicing faith. I mean, just I think the, the more I read about his 
when he's talking to the apostles and he's reaffirming that he's always with us, then it kind of makes it easier, but it has to be that constant going back to the, to his word, to the Bible, to, to be reminded of it. Cause I think if not, it's easy to forget that he's there. And, and I think um, we tend to like, just kind of fall back onto a regular, you know, like life or world that where we were doing things without him and, and then we kind of fall apart or away from God. I think that's kind of where we become more vulnerable to, to the world. Uh, I don't know. No, that's good. I mean, that's good. I mean, like we, what you're saying, I mean, if I were to summarize it, is if if you're not routinely engaging with with God and and His truth and His Word and the Scriptures, then you're gonna fall back to what you're familiar with. You know, it's 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 um, what do they say? Familiarity breeds contempt. It it's what you're familiar with. That's what you that's what you're gonna do, right? Yeah. It's, it's like if I try something and it doesn't work, then I'm gonna go back and do what I knew worked, right? I'm gonna go back and do what I knew worked. But and so why is this important? That would be the other question. Why why is trusting God important? I mean, well, we just read it. Them that call on his name, that shall be saved, right? Saved from what? You know, you could go on and go on and on. But the end result is we want to get to God. And in order for us to get to God, we have to trust in God. We got to trust that God is taking us to him. Uh, A few weeks ago, we talked about Abraham. And this is going to go into a lot of depth. This is going to go into a lot of depth of what I'm getting at. We talked about Abraham. And God came to Abraham and he said, Go. He told Abraham to go. Where are we going, Lord? I'm, you're going to this place that I'm going to show you. Oh. oh, okay. So he had to trust that God was going to take him to this place that he was going to show him that he, hadn't, he probably hadn't even heard of. Cause he didn't, if you go back to the scriptures, he didn't. This is Genesis 11, uh, 12, Genesis 12. If you go back to the scriptures, he never really pointed out to what the place looked looked like or where the place was. He just said, "Go to this place that I'm going to show." So you're going to just start going, and that's what Abraham did. He just started going, and then God made him a promise. He said, "I'm going to make you a father of many nations." So he had to believe that. He had to he had to believe this. Abraham was 75 years old at the time, so so he had to believe that God had the power to do just what He said. Okay, God can do this because, you know, you're God. Then he has to believe, okay, you're God because you're saying this to me. But in the text, it never said he vocalized it. It never said God, because typically when it says God speaks, it says there's a thundering or there's a lightning. It never said that. It just said God said this to, it never said an angel came. It was, it was as if God was recoding Abraham, his DNA. It was like something was recoded within him, and God was showing him that he wanted him to leave from where he was and go to this place. Now, you imagine telling somebody that, like your wife, like, hey, baby, uh, God told us to leave from where my father's land is, and we got to go to this place. Where's the place? Uh, well, I'm not real sure, but, but I know God is telling me to tell you and, you know, our camp that we got to go. How are we going to get to where we go? We're just going to walk, baby. We're just walking. Well, I don't It's hot. 
It's hot. I'm not. Do we have enough food, baby? We good. We good, baby. We good. Can you just imagine God? You know what I mean? Abraham explaining this to Sarah. He's like, baby, we good. We good. Okay, since you're the husband, I'm just going to follow you. So she had to trust that what Abraham was hearing was truly God. And we got to trust God. But this is the kicker, though. It was easy for Abraham to trust God because, see, Abraham descended from a family that walked with God. So they already knew about God. They, they, they knew all the teachings. They knew of the writings. They knew uh, from, from, from what happened with Adam and Cain. They already knew all of this stuff. They were descendants from, I believe, Shem. So you remember the three sons of Noah. He, I think he believed he was a descendant of Shem. So it was Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I just said, might be saying that name wrong. But anyway, I can go back and I'll look it up. But out of his three sons, I believe they descended from Shem or Sam. And so you got all the stories passed down of how God created Adam and how he created Eve and, and what happened and, and, and all of these are descendants. So they know, they know it, right? So when, when they hear of God, they know, okay, this is God. They understand the voice of God. They have the reasoning because it's been passed down from a cloud of witnesses. They have a cloud of witnesses above them that it's been passed down through. Now, because they are what? They are God's chosen, right? They're chosen, chosen. God is choosing them. And he's, and he's about to form a nation through Abraham. He's about to form this nation through Abraham. So it's just going to continue to flow. It's going to continue to trickle about how God is, how he interacts with his people, and, you know, his direction and his decrees and, and how he wants us to live on the earth and how he wants us to respond to him. All of this is being passed down through Abraham from above Abraham. They already have the knowledge. They have it. But then there's a group of people, like the Romans, that Paul is talking to, that didn't have it. They didn't have that. They weren't descendants of Abraham. They were descendants of people that didn't come through the lineage of David, of Israel, of Jacob. They were people that worshiped idol gods, foreign gods, that actually weren't gods. So how do they trust God. Well, one, it starts with a witness, right? It starts with a witness. And, and Paul was this witness. Paul was the witness. Paul had a relationship with God. And it happened with Paul just like it happened with the Romans. See, somebody shared this truth with Paul. And if you go back to Paul's story in Acts, right, and if you go to Acts 9, you can see the first encounter Paul had with God, because Paul was a Pharisee, and he persecuted the Christians. Why? Because he didn't believe. He didn't believe. He didn't believe. He didn't trust. He wasn't following it. He was, he was, he was as, as if you go back to Acts 9, God said, or Jesus said, why are you kicking against the prick? And, and Paul asked the question, well, who are you? I'm, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. What? What? Then, then God struck him with blindness. And follow this. God, God struck him with blindness. Right? And he said, I want you to go to this man. I think the man's name was Annas, or Ananias. And this is Acts 9. Just please go back. And, and, and he told Ananias, or Annas, the same thing. He said, somebody's going to be looking for you. His name goes by the name of Saul. We're going to start calling him Paul. 
He's going to look for you. He's looking for your witness. He's looking for your witness. He's blind right now, and this is what I want you to do. And then, and then immediately, Annas was like, hold up, I remember him. He was persecuting us. And God was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to use him to do great things, and he's going to suffer for not my namesake. I'm going to use him to do great things, and he's going to suffer for my namesake. In other words, he's on my side now. He's, he, he's on my side now. I got it. And you're going to be his witness. So when he comes to you, this is what I want you to do for him. So when Paul met up with him, Annas, that Annas healed him of his blindness. Scales fell from his eyes. It was like scales fell from his eyes, and he was able to see. And then Paul went into ministry. He began to separate himself and study and learn of the scriptures and learn of the, the truth of God, of the truth of Christ and how Christ came into being and how he was from way from the beginning prophesied, from the very beginning, even through Moses' teachings, he was prophesied about. So then now Paul is here, is here being that same witness to the Romans. So how, how can I trust God? Well, you're going to have to have a witness. Right? You're going to have to have a witness, somebody telling you about God. And then it's like, okay, so once you get that, then there has to be another witness. And I just told you the second witness. The second witness was it was God himself interacting with Paul. Now, you got to get that. If you go to Acts 9, but, but I gave a reference scripture was Mark 9. Yeah, I, I wanted to give you Acts 9, but Mark 9 is it's a little more interesting in that the guy asked the question. I don't know how many people read this. This, 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 this is good, man, and I'm going to have to spend a lot of time in it because it's, it's really rich. But, so what you have here in Mark 9, and I'm not going to start reading in the beginning, but you have Jesus being transfigured on the mount. And Moses appeared, and Elijah appeared. And what it says, the scripture is saying that they were discussing Jesus' death. Then Peter saw this, and he said, hey, we should make a tabernacle, one for you, Lord. Jesus, one for Moses and one for Elijah. And then it thundered. It thundered. Here go God talking. It thundered. But to them, they heard a thundering, meaning Peter and John and James. But what it said, the scripture is in, in Mark, the writer Mark was, was quoting that God said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And then they fell down on their face. And then all of a sudden, it, they, because they were afraid, they fell, it's like they fell asleep. They went into this, this daze or whatever. And then after that, after God and Moses and Elijah went away, then Jesus tapped them. He said, come on, get up, let's go. That right there was a, is, is, is like a second witness within itself before I even go into the second part of this, what I really want to talk about. God told them to hear Christ. Jesus came and said, I am the son of God. His second witness was, God told them, this is my son. Listen to him. Does that make sense? God is the second witness. Or in other words, he's really the first witness because he said, you can't get to Jesus unless God, this is Jesus talking. Jesus said, you can't come to me unless God draws you. And this is John chapter 6. Mm-hmm. I know I'm giving you a lot of scriptures. You know, just, just go back, research it. But anyways, God is the first witness. Second witness is a man. And then there's one more witness. The last witness is what I'm about to show you. This is the scripture I'm about to show you. Verse 14, it says, And when Jesus came down to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him 
greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him into thrown him both into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And then this is the part that, that really stood out to me. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And in 25, Jesus healed the boy. So the healing is a third witness, right? A miracle is a third witness. That's how you trust God. And these three things happen, right? There's this witness from God. There's a witness from a person. And then there's a miracle. There's something that happens that's supernatural that you, that you know, know in your thoughts and in your being that, hey, the only entity that could do this is God. The God, the God that has been witnessing to me is the only entity that I know that can do this. And however it does it, I mean, it's all in God. And, 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 and what are you saying? I'm going to ask the question for you. Are you saying that's going to happen every time? Absolutely not. God may not heal somebody. He may, he may not. But what I am saying, these are ways to develop your trust. And all of these are possible. But the two that are, that are that, cause he said out of the mouth of who, two or three witnesses, the two that are going to be constant are God is going to witness to you and some person that's following God is going to witness to you. And then if he does a miracle, then that'll be a third witness. That'll be a third witness. So what does that have to do with you? Well, this, that's, the, that's the question we're answering. If I say I believe in this God, then my goal should be to do what? Follow him wherever he goes. My goal, my aim, my focus, why? Because at the end of the day, that's where I want to be, right? When, when I profess him, that's where I want to be. That's where I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm professing God because I want to be with him. And, and, and if I don't trust him, as I began to say, I'm not going to follow him, right? If I don't trust him, then I'm not going to do what he's telling me to do. It's one thing, you know, we'll make this profession, which, which is more not even a profession. It's just a statement. We'll say we believe, but then we don't. I don't really know. And that's what's beautiful about this man. I, I, I don't really know. If you looked at what he said, he said, if you would just be compassionate. I heard about you, man. I heard about you. I heard stories about you. But if you would just be compassionate and just help us. I don't know how you can help us, but just, I don't know, man, just 
give us a kind word. I'm just paraphrasing. But he, when he asked that, I don't really know what you can do, but, but I heard you did stuff. I took it to your disciples, and if you go back and study this, the disciples, Jesus had sent them out, and they were, and they, and, and they were healing people that had demons, right? They were casting out demons. And then they came back to Jesus and said, hey, man, we even have authority over demons. <laughs> and Jesus said, don't, don't be boasting that you got authority over demons, but boast that your name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Boast about that. But the point is, they had authority over demons. But when the man took his son to him, they couldn't cast him out. And Jesus called him faithless. Faithless. Now, now hold on. You know what I mean? Now, Jesus called them faithless. But if you go back, and, and I believe in Matthew, Matthew goes into more depth about. Right. And. And then he talks about how when he sent them out two by two, now I don't know the order, actual order, but when he sent them out two by two and they were going out and witnessing and then they were had they had authority over demons, but 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 in Matthew this part, that occurred before the man bringing his son to them to cast out the mute spirit that occurred first. In Mark, I believe it occurred later. I believe it occurred later, but I don't know the actual order of it, and I'm not going to speculate, but I'll say this. The God had already, of, of, and in Mark 9, I'm saying, in it, so in Matthew, God or Jesus sent out the disciples two by two, and then they came back saying, bragging, saying, we have authority even over demons. Right. right? See, in Matthew. Same way in Luke. Okay, see, in that, but in Mark, it actually occurs after this part. Right. It occurs, I think it occurs in 10 when he sent them out, Mark 10 or 11. But Right. In that, I mean, right, but it, it's beside the point. But, but, in Luke and, but in Luke and Matthew, Luke, it occurred, before, he sent them out before. Before this happened. See, and that was, that's right. what I was looking at. And I'm like, well, man, how did Mark miss it? You know, even though Mark was not really a disciple of Jesus, he was a disciple but of Barnabas. You look at Luke chapter 9, the very first verse is Jesus sending them out. Right, right. And, and then and man is child is in like verse 36. Okay, see, that's the order that I was looking at, right? That was what I was envisioning too because it makes more sense that way. Because they, they heard, they had to, you see what I'm saying? This man had to have heard that, that the disciples had authority over the demons. So he's taking his son to him. Right, for for him, for them to heal his son. And then they couldn't do it, right? So then the people are here, they arguing, right? They're having a dispute. I can only imagine what they're saying. They're probably saying, yeah. hey, then they're frauds. They're frauds, right? They're not, they're not following. They're not of the true and living God. That's what I'm telling you, man. they they following this Jesus dude. And if you know, remember the rumblings about Jesus, they said he's doing this by, by the power of Beelzebub. Beelzebub, yeah. He's casting out demons by Beelzebub, right? So, so they're discrediting Jesus, right? They're trying to discredit Jesus. And then when Jesus comes down and he's asking, what's going on? What's going on? What's, what's going on? And then the man chimes in and, and answers and says, hey, man, I brought my son to your disciples, and they couldn't cast out this demon. And then he calls them faithless. He calls them faithless. And, and then when, after the, he healed the boy, and then they came to him later, and they said, why couldn't we cast him out? 
And he said, this comes by fasting and praying. Now, a lot of people run away with that, and they say, oh, okay, we need to stop eating, and we need to start talking to God. And that's not what Jesus is saying. He's about saying that. He said, this comes by fasting and praying. In other words, this comes from somebody that is solely committed, solely committed to God in his direction. You got to get that. It's someone solely committed to God in his direction. See, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have all of these interruptions in my life and in my pathway to where I'm guessing. I hear what God is telling me to do. I hear. They weren't hearing. When Jesus sent them out, then they heard, but it was audible. Jesus audibly sent them out. But when you have this thing like Abraham did, when you have a relationship with God, and it is, it is something that is recoded in you, it's like, what do you mean by recoded in me? Well, I like to give the parable or the analogy of Siri. Siri talks to you, but she can only talk to you based on how the architect constructed her. And she can only provide answers based on the knowledge that the architect input in her. And guess what? Siri can get updated in real time. So as she's talking to you, the architect can update her with information. Does that make sense? That's just how God acts with us. But God came first, so we took the idea of how God interacts with us, and we started doing it with Siri. So you don't see the, the, the people behind the scenes with Siri and updating the information and her logic and her code. You don't see that. It's just like with your computer. Your computer would say something like, I need you to reboot because I've updated some software. You didn't see the software get updated, but the computer would give you this notification and say, hey, I need you to restart it. And you're like, huh. Oh, okay. That's how it happens with Siri. But, but, but before Siri and all of that was ever invented, that's what God was doing with us. That's how God if, give, uploads information he, because he's a part of us. So he uploads this information in us, and we begin to see stuff that we never even saw before. We never even read before. It's like, how is this truth getting into my spirit? Oh, no, that ain't God. I don't know what this is. I don't know who that is. I don't know where that came from. But it's God. God is uploading this data in you, and he's showing this stuff to you. And, and you're seeing it, and, and when you are tight with God, you say, oh, man, you know, I know that. That's God. God is showing me this. And then after he shows it to you, then he'll give you a witness, a second witness, confirming it. Sometimes it's a person coming through, and it's, sometimes it's miracles. And then sometimes it just may be some kind of sign. It's just it's like, whoa, that was, this, was, this was weird. I encountered this thing. This was weird. He told you something was going to come to pass, and it actually comes to pass. And you're like, wow, this is crazy. And guess what that does? You begin to trust that voice on the inside of you more. You begin to trust it more. You begin to lean on it more because you, you know that this is God. This is God. This is God uploading data in you. And the more you're studying his truth, the more you hang around people that are hanging around God, <laughs> the more you're going to trust him. And the more you trust him, guess what? The more you're going to do what he's telling you to do because at the end of the day, that's the goal. The goal is to do what he's telling me to do because that's what Jesus did. Jesus only did what God told him to do. He only said what God told him to say. He said, my father worketh and I work. The work that he did was what his father wanted him doing. That's a little fine tune, right? That's real fine. That's that's man. The tolerance is on that thing. <laughs> There's no tolerance. It's exact, right? And, and 
It's like, well, nah, man, I ain't trying to get that close to God. What? You're not? Why not? If you're not close to God, then who are you close to? That's the alternative, right? And then you have the ability to get that close to God. The more you trust God, the more the, the closer you're going to get to him. Why? Because the more you trust him, the more you're going to follow him. And, and that's the thing, right? That's the dis- dis- disclaimer. That's the disclaimer. If I'm trusting God more, then I don't have a desire to trust anything else. That makes sense? It's, it's, like, it's like somebody that's real close to their parents. Their parents can be wrong as all get out, but they trust their parents. And when they're real close to their parents and when, when they mama say this, when what mama say, mama say, that's what goes. Mama can be wrong as all get out, but what mama say, mama, it goes. If somebody in here trying to come in and try to tell me something that mama ain't saying, I'm man, you can't tell me that the mama didn't say that. And then you go back to mama and be like, mama, I heard such and such and such and such. And then mama be like, ah, uh-uh, that ain't true. And it'd be true. But because you confide in mama, nobody else can tell you anything. Why? Because you know mama don't mean any harm for you. You know mama means only good for you. You know what mama is saying and what mama wants is always what's best for you because all you know, it's mama's best. But then when you transfer that to God, there's no other best in the world. And the, when, and the more you get to know that, you're like, God's best is ultimate. I, I, I don't want anybody else's best. I don't, I, I, it, it, would, it would be counterfeit. Any other thing would be counterfeit. I mean, that's all I have, guys. I mean, I hope you, I didn't confuse y'all too much. Uh, but we're going to continue to, <laughs> we're going to continue to dig in this because we got to learn how to trust God. All right? And I just gave you a few steps. I gave you a few steps. But if you want to be with God, then you want to trust God. As Jose spoke earlier, because if, if you're wanting something, and you're not getting something, you're going to go back and do what you're familiar with. And then when you do what you're familiar with, you forget, right? You forget that what you were familiar with, you didn't want that either. <laughs> That's why you were looking for something else, right? So you, you realize that, that what you were familiar with wasn't the best for you either. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm used to it, but I, I ain't really what, that ain't really what I want. I want something better. Right, I want something better. And then when some witness comes along and says, "Well, man, God has something better," and then then, then this is the this I leave you with this: the better isn't you getting what you want. The better is you getting what God wants you to have. That's not. No, 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 no. You that has to resonate. The better isn't you getting what you want. It's getting what God wants you to have because what God wants you to have is what's best for you. Because you can't see far out. God sees far out. Because you're thinking, oh, man, you know, if, 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 if I just didn't have to suffer right now, if I had a better job right now, if I had more money right now, if I had a better spouse right now, if I had a spouse in general right now, if I had some better friends or more caring friends, if I didn't have to suffer, if I didn't have this, da 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 you're thinking immediately this immediate gratification and, and if you got that immediate gratification, you're thinking, oh, well, my life would just be so great. 
that would be so great. And it wouldn't. It, it, I like to say this. Rich people kill themselves. Famous people kill themselves. What are they missing? <laughs> Think about that. What are they missing? Healthy people. Healthy people. Yeah. Kill themselves. What are they missing? Not sick people. No, not healthy sick people. people. Healthy people kill themselves. Yes, there are sick people that are, that will kill themselves, you know, or somebody that's healthy and then they about to get sick and they like, oh, I ain't gonna be no prune, so I'm gonna kill myself. Right? There are people that have done that. Yeah, of course. But the point is, when you got people that are healthy killing themselves, people that are rich killing themselves, then being healthy and rich doesn't fulfill you. So there's something else that's missing. And I like what Paul said. Paul, Paul said, I have learned to be content whether I'm hungry or full, mm-hmm. right? Whether I'm cold, whether I'm hot, mm-hmm. or I'm in between. Whether I'm lost at sea or I'm on dry land. I'm, I've learned how to be content. Content with who? With God. Not with the situation, with God. Because he knows that if I'm with God, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Then think about that. If I'm with God, I'm good. Because if God is creator of all, right, and he has all power, then wherever I am with God, he got me. Like that, that, it can't get any better. David said, if I make my bed in hell, thou art there. I yeah. take wings and I fly to the othermost parts of the earth. Thou art there. He recognized that, that wherever I go, God is already there. Is already there. And if, if I'm with God there, I'm in a good place. Now, if I'm there and I'm oblivious to God, I'm lost. And I'm trying to find myself. And I'm trying to figure out why in the world am I on earth in this big old Earth, I'm a little bitty speck on this big old earth, not really knowing where in the world I'm going. I'm lost. That makes sense? I, I, I'm lost if I'm without God. I'm still trying without to find God. myself, right? I'm still trying to find what life means. I got all this money. I can spend it on whomever I want. I can, if I'm a man and I, you know, I ain't in the marriage, I can sleep with whomever I want. But I'm still lost. I got all this help. I'm built nice. I look good, but I'm lost. I'm empty. There's this void. Where in the world am I going? And you got to think about that. Where are we going? You know you're going to die. You don't know when. And you're trying to preserve your youth. But you know you're going to die. At the end, of, back in the back of your mind, you know you're going to die. And then, and then you got people constantly, people want what you got. They want what you got. And you're trying to be this good Samaritan person. Oh, I give so much or whatever, whatever. And this is not a real person. I'm just making up stuff. But they give so much and they do so much. And, you know, they like Bill Gates. You know, Bill Gates, he's probably the biggest charitable person in the United States. And, you know, you never hear anything about Bill Gates. You just Every time you see pictures of him, he's always smiling, just like a nice little guy, you know. And then in the back of your mind, you're like, man, I know he's just so happy. He doesn't have a care in the world. But a couple minutes in his shoes. And you're like, dog, you messed up too. I ain't saying he's messed up. I'm just saying. We all have problems. We're all going to go through something. We all are. 
But when we going through it with God, it's like, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what I'm going through because God got me. God got me. And, and, and trusting him, when you trust him, you will understand why that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You'll understand why that makes sense. That's all I have. That's all I have. Hey. So, um, so I only got the end of the conversation, but, um, you know, I actually was listening to um, oh, the how uh, – hold on, let me look at it. Um, in Mark 9:23, and Jesus said, you say to me, if you – if you can do anything, why all things can be um, be possible to those who believe. And I think that a lot of people um, take in um, a different context, like not reading, you know, like if I ask for it, then I can get it. Everything's possible. But it is. So the thing is, is that we're looking, we need to continue to look forward to what it is God's will, you know, for exactly. God's will for our, so not looking at the worldly things, like anything is possible success, da, 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 going into that, because then at that point we turn it into our selfish ambitions rather exactly. than actually doing the will of God and being able to seek after him. Because if we are seeking truly what, what, is, um, what we as Christians believe or uh, as Christ followers believe is that we are, um, our reward is in heaven. Our reward is not here on earth. So success, money, reward, houses, whatever it is, is not here on earth anyway. Um, right. Our reward's up in heaven. So I think if we can continue to keep focus on the things that are not seen, um, that are um, that are not seen, that we keep focus on that, walk by faith and not by you know sight, and continue to have our faith in Him. But I love how it also says that um, um, you know help me with my unbelief because that's like, you know I think one of the biggest things with Christians, even um, with followers, hard poor followers and even before, I mean, when circumstances come into your life, that's the first thing you know. You're like, am I wavering? Is my faith wavering right now? Or am I steadfast right now? And I think we mix the emotions with feelings, our feelings with our faith. Yes, we're allowed to have those emotions and those feelings and why, God, is this happening right now? But still standing in that faith, looking to him, going, whatever happens, God, if it's your will, let it be done. You know? So that's, right. that's what I got from the scripture. That was really good for me no that's good that's you know good. a good que- a good I'm, question is why, why would you want anything that's not god's will mm-hmm. right yeah so think about that i mean it, it's not god's will for me to have it but i'm going to desire it anyway exactly that doesn't make sense no it doesn't mm-hmm. somebody I else like has something you said that's okay. me i'm laura i like How when you, you said no matter where we are, what we're going through, or what we're doing, he's here. He, we, he's right here with us no matter what. Right. So even though some of us don't, if we're not in that walk with God, we don't know that that right. God is here. He's still here no right. matter what, where we are, right. what we're doing, or what we're going through. Right. And that's what people like, they fail to realize well, God causes us to go through things or we don't have money or we don't have that perfect job or just we don't have it because they feel like God is not with them. Exactly. So I like that part when you said he is. He's right here no matter what. Right. That's good. That's good. That's good. I mean, everybody's made really, really, really great comments. It's been really good. Um you know, we, we build, we come together, we help each other, you know, we love on each other because that's what it's about, you know. And, yeah. and the more I trust God, the more I love people, regardless of how people treat me. 
you know, uh, I'll help people regardless how people help me. I'm going to help. Why? Why? Because, because I'm with God. I'm good. Right? It's like it's like you have that that thing. You have that that contentment. Like Paul, I'm good, but I want you to be good. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and you grow into that. You know, you grow into that. And you and the people don't even know that you broke, but you help people like you're rich because you know yeah. your father's rich. You know. My father's rich, and it's like my father keeps replenishing when I'm empty. He replenishes. I'm empty, but he replenishes, and I can give. I can, I'll have enough for me and my family and others. And then it goes depleted, and then he'll replenish it again, and me and my family and others. And, and it's a cycle. It's a cycle. But, yeah. Right? And, and that's life. You know what I mean? That's life. We live that truth so that other people can see our God and recognize that our God is real. He's operating right now and and he's awesome right he's awesome um that's all i have guys i uh i appreciate everybody's comments i pray out uh, let us pray dear heavenly father we thank you we thank you for this moment lord we thank you we thank you for gathering us together to fellowship with one another we thank you for giving us a sense of peace and truth to trust you more, to trust you more as we go about our days to, and, and, and as we go about our lives, Lord. We thank you for the, to, for the knowledge and the truth and the witness that you have given us today to trust you more, to, to love you more, and, and not only you, Lord, but to showcase that love and that truth and that peace among everyone that we meet throughout the course of our days, the Heavenly Father. We thank you for this. We thank you for continuing to be merciful upon us. We thank you for continuing to be patient with us, Lord. We thank you for constantly growing us and enabling us to stand for you, the Heavenly Father. We pray that everyone, as they leave this call, we pray that you continue to go with them, place your hand of protection around them, and keep them, the Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, I do pray. Thank God. Amen. 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 Thank Amen. you, Corey. You're welcome. Thanks. See you, Monsieur. Y'all have yeah. a good day. Bless. Be blessed. Okay. Be blessed. Thank you. Bless you. Have a good day, guys. Well, family, I hope the discussion has encouraged you. I hope it has enlightened you. I hope it has infused you with love and truth to live a life filled with God on purpose. And if it has, join us again for more godly discussions. Thank you.